0: This is one of those days where I'm really glad that I decided to do this type of podcast about reporting on all news because, or at least as much news as possible, because right now, if you were to watch CNBC, what you would be hearing mostly is the FTX scandal that's happening and potential uh, testimony that's coming next week from the CEO of that company or the former CEO, you're going to hear about inflation numbers and how things are looking better, and then you're also hearing about how they believe a recession's coming. Wall Street is covering those things because that's what they find important right now, because apparently Wall Street right now is in talks of a recession across the board, which means right now we are in the cycle from that political cartoon where everyone's freaking out and saying, sell, 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 and eventually someone's going to say, like the joke says in that political cartoon, I can't take this, I'm out of here, and here eventually turns into buy or whatever it is, right? Or like I have a really good idea, I guess what no no the, the the cartoon shows a guy saying there's a really good investment tip and the tip turns into buy, but now we're in that cycle right now, but there's news that is not being reported by CNBC, and we'll report with they're they're reporting it in the news articles like we talked about here on this podcast, but they're not talking about on their actual channel, so some news that we'll talk about today there's a merger happening between a co- grocery delivery companies two of them in fact. And what that means for the grocery market going forward, okay? Now, Walt, there's also news too and from CNBC too that Walmart is backing up a fintech startup. And what does that mean for Walmart going forward as well? Then we have some news, which I find hilarious from the marijuana industry. Apparently, slows are, uh, not slows. not sales are slowing down pre-pandemic, which is a very funny thing to think about, okay? Then we have some news from the GM battery plant workers, they have voted to unionize with UAW, which is a big step towards the production of EVs in the making. What does that mean for the car industry going forward? And we, ha- the big news will end today it has to do with China and Saudi Arabia, the two countries leaders recently just met. And what did that meeting all entail potentially from what CNBC is reporting? So With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please note that you should talk to your financial advisor about any financial decisions you want to make as they own understand your situation a lot better than I would. I legally cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This podcast is for information, entertainment, and education purposes only. With that, let's begin today's podcast. Grocery deliverer firm Geeter. Acquires embattled rival gorillas as industry consolidates. Okay. Turkish grocery deliver firm Gitter acquired its German rival Gorillas for an undisclosed amount, the company said Friday. Markets go up and down, but the customers love our service, and convenience is here to stay. The founder said in a statement Friday, the founder of Gitter. The super fast grocery deliver industry will steadily grow for many years to come, and Gitter will lead this category it created seven years ago. Loss-making grocery delivery services are enduring a tough market environment in which investors are revaluating positions in companies most exposed to the effects of tighter monetary policy and rising cost of living. The long rumored takeover values gorillas at $1.2 billion and the broader Gitter Group at $10 billion, according to a report from the Financial Times. That would represent a markdown of 61% and 15% from the last respective valuations. Earlier report has suggested the deal would be finalized with a combination of Gitter equity and cash. Istanbul-based Gitter didn't disclose financial details for the deal, but it said in a statement that it underscores how Gitter leads consolidations in the sector. Gorillas was among the most hyped startups in the rapidly delivery sector, promising its users delivery times as low as 10 minutes and discounts subsidized by venture capital. Founded in May of 2020, the company expanded aggressively during the coronavirus lockdowns. In 2021, the company was valued at $3.1 billion in their private financing, around led by German food delivery company Delivery Hero. However, Gorillas ran into trouble earlier this year, laying off hundreds of its employees in existing markets, generating less revenue like Italy and Belgium. Okay. A short term solution Gorillaz has only two choices sell or go out of business, said an independent retail industry consultant told CNBC via email. Gitter is likely acquiring Gorillas for its dark stores, small facilities, and house stock for online delivery rather than in-store shopping, according to LAD. You know, the grocery delivery business, I mean, when things turn around for everyone in the world and we're not having to deal with high inflation across the board, or we're not having to deal with rising gas prices, Grocery delivery might become a thing again. In fact, when working at Target back in the day, that was a huge thing was grocery delivery or grocery pickup. Because I remember sometimes I'd be working, putting the stuff away that we had to on the shelves and uh, someone in a green uniform would come up to me. I can't remember. Not, it's not Shopify. Shopify is the actual retail company online. It was like Instacart or something like that. I can't remember. But they uh, they used to come up to me and be like, hey, like, do you have this item here? And we'd be like, yeah, sure. Or no, we don't. And It was a super convenient thing. And then I know during the COVID pandemic too, you had Walmart who would do curbside pickup for groceries as well. That sector might be on the rebound again should things turn around. But right now, things will not probably be turning around for a while. And people are not going to have the money potentially to keep investing in these companies or just investing to have people pick up their groceries. So at the end of the day, these companies... Not financial advice in this podcast, obviously, but I don't see them being that profitable, and it's probably just two companies trying to merge to survive for the time being. Remember, we've talked about how Turkey is having a really high inflation rates right now, and whereas most countries around the world are tightening their their uh, their numbers when it comes to monetary policy, Turkey's not. Turkey's like cutting rates. We're we're tightening rates here, but they're cutting them in Turkey. So. I'd be interested to see how these two companies survive when they merge into one. But speaking of more retail, Walmart-backed fintech startup plans to launch its own, uh, correction, launch its own buy now, pay later loans. This is a trend that's been happening, and we've been reporting it a lot here on this podcast. From CNBC, a Walmart-backed startup is looking to compete with buy now, pay later, later companies. The venture called One is gearing up to launch its own version of the payment services as soon as next year, according to a source familiar with the matter. One of the majority owned by Walmart wants to launch a service that shoppers could use at Walmart websites and stores as well as other retailers, the source said. The effort was motivated in part by a more challenging economic backdrop and consumers feeling pinched by inflation. Shares of Buy Now, Pay Later, Affirm, uh, pay, (laughs) wow, that's a tongue twister. Shares of Buy Now, Pay Later, firm Affirm, fell on friday walmart declined to comment one is breaking into the ground payments payment services category as monthly retail sales numbers continue to rise but some americans show sign of strain from inflation driving up price of food housing and more those stretched walls could fuel consumers interest in paying for purchases in other ways Buy now, pay later allows customers to gradually pay off a purchase with fixed monthly payments along with interest. Retailer executives, including Walmart CEO Doug McMillan, have spoken about wealthier customers feeling the pinch by inflation. About 75% of retailers' market share gain in grocery have come from households that make more than $100,000 in the past two quarters. In a CBC interview this week, McMillan said customers are feeling stressed. Quote, We've got some customers who are more budget conscious than. Uh, that have been under inflation pressures now for months, he told CNBC Squawk Box. That sustainable pressure in some categories, I think, is something customers are having to deal with as we approach Christmas. The news about the Walmart-backed startup interest in buy now, pay later was first reported by The Information. Walmart's the country's largest private employer and its biggest grocer, has long offered financial services to many of its stores. It has a money center where customers can go for banking-related services, such as printing checks, sending or receiving money, or loading prepaid debit cards. Many of those services are geared towards families that have lower incomes, do not have relationships with a traditional bank, or do not have the credit card history to qualify for credit cards. Last year, Walmart went on a step further by creating and backing a fintech startup called Ribbit Capital, one of the investment firms behind Robinhood. The fintech startup is independent, but Walmart has the big biggest stake. Its board also includes several top executives, including Walmart's US uh, U.S. CEO, John Furner, and Chief Financial Officer, John David Rainey. Rainey's Walmart's new CFO, recently joined the board, and is a former CFO of PayPal. You know, this pay now, uh, buy now, pay laters segment of what's happening, don't be surprised if other retailers start doing that as well. I mean, think about it this way. I think that's what credit cards are mostly used for, right? But... It seems like that's gonna be the new trend coming in, which means we are gonna see a society soon that could be racked in debt like crazy soon, okay? Think about it this way. You go to Target, and when you're at Target, they always try to get you to buy their Target red cards because it helps with being able to pay for groceries at discount rates sometimes. And Target, for instance, I mean, I always looked at it, at least when I worked there, as a credit card system in some way, shape, or form. I mean, you're using... Cr- target's credit card at a target store and then you have to pay interest on that in the long run if you don't pay it off in full, obviously. Okay. Remember, companies like Apple too did the exact same thing with their own thing called the Apple card. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised soon if Walmart ends up trying to consider buying out this company so that Walmart could technically get into the paying more of the paying services as well. Walmart continues to grow. And same with Amazon. I believe Amazon has their own service right now. Maybe I, maybe I could be wrong on that regard. If they don't, then you can expect them potentially to be getting that as well. But this the system of buy now, pay later, that's going to be here for a while. It's going to be a trend for a while. And I wouldn't be surprised if one day we're going to start seeing videos on YouTube or on Discovery Channel, or not, maybe not even Discovery, but just any TV station you would watch where they're going to be like, I was a buy now, pay later customer, and now I'm feeling the pressures of debt in my life. New TV series in the making, people. Just be on the lookout for that. Continuing on, in this article, I find hilarious. (laughs) Okay. Marijuana industry sales slowed down after pandemic surge. So it's good to know that during the pandemic, the marijuana industry was doing well. Seems like people were trying to escape from reality by, you know, just having a joint here or there. From CNBC, after enjoying a sales surge during the pandemic, the U.S. cannabis industry is showing signs of a slowdown as it faces economic and regulatory challenges that, and people choose to spend their money elsewhere. In states with established marijuana markets such as Oregon and Washington, sales at retail outlets and dispensaries have declined over a year ago, according to a report from the cannabis data from Headset. In Colorado, one of the country's most established markets, sales in June were down 11.4% from a year ago. Quote, what we saw in 2020 was a massive spike in sales, Tied to the pandemic as people stayed home, had government stimulus money, and not a lot to do, said Chris Wash, CEO of Marijuana Business Daily. Oh, good to know that we we as Americans potentially were using that money to uh, to, <laughs> to buy marijuana. That's, that's a funny thought right there. Continuing on with the article, it says, in July, for example, people spent on average of $55.21 per visit at a medium Colorado store. That was about $4 less than the average of $59.73 in July of 2021, according to a headset research. Retailers are discounting in a time of high inflation because they're trying to move product from the shelves, said Wash, adding that business are also facing intense competition from a thriving illegal market that isn't taxed. Quote, we are operating in an incredibly challenging and competitive landscape, with our biggest competitor being the illicit market, said so Troy Datcher, CEO of Parent Company, a cannabis company in California. Overall retail sales across the industry are still rising and are still projected to do so in new large markets, come online, including New York, Maryland, and Missouri. According to analysis by Marijuana Business Daily, combined U.S. medical and recreation cannabis sales could reach $33 billion by the end up to up from 27 billion last year. Sales are also projected to reach 52.6 billion by 2026. "Quote: The long-term horizon is extremely bright," Wash said. "This is what industries go through. For now, however, investment money is drying up as the market gets more crowded," according to Viridian Capital Advisors, a New York-based cannabis advisory firm. Told U.S. marijuana capital raised year to date is down 62.6 percent from a year ago. And equity financing is down 96.3% from $2.1 billion a year ago to $78 million currently. You know, CNBC actually did talk about this. It was like one of the few things they did talk about in their news segments about. This capital market right now, it's not just affecting the marijuana industry, but it's affecting a lot of other industries as well. People are not investing in as many startups or as many new companies in general because the, the idea now is you're investing in companies that are profitable who will make money because the talk in the town is a recession's coming and there's no guarantee these companies will survive a recession i somewhat beg to differ i think companies that can survive a recession like this those are companies that are going to be around for a while just my opinion not financial advice continuing on it says part of the problem expert says that investors are tired of waiting for federal regulation oh, oh, oh the federal regulation excuse Continuing on, says, the lack of federal regulation means cannabis businesses in states where recreational sales are legal still can't access traditional banking services or institutional capital. A congressional bill called the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, or SAFE, would lift such restrictions, but hasn't made it through the Senate, despite passing in the House several times. Quote, a lot of investors have had jumped in and under the assumption that there would be some movement at the federal level to either reschedule the drug or pass a short of banking legislation, said Matt Hawkins, founder of turridge effective capital a cannabis investment firm it's funny how wall street's waiting on the government to get this done government can't move a lot fat they don't move at all okay in fact like let's put it this way as I, I believe i've said this in past podcasts too by the time you get the government to make a law about making something illegal a business will already have figured out how to get around it okay to take taxes for instance right okay if Joe Biden were to come out today and say, we're going to tax, well, let's just use the oil companies because he always blames oil companies and stuff. Let's say he were to say, we're going to tax oil companies so that they pay their fair share. Okay, An oil company would sit there and say, hmm, what are the chances that this bill gets passed? And they'll look into all the scenarios and then by the time they realize, hey, we might be losing money if we don't move soon, they'll end up moving some of their their, their money overseas some way, somehow. Or they'll just say, Hey, uh, we uh, we don't want to have to pay these taxes, so we're going to throw it on to the investors in some way, shape, or form, or something like that along those lines, I guess. But I mean, it's just funny that Wall Street was banking on the fact that the federal government get things done. Federal government moves slows a lot of stuff, okay? It's not good. Might not happen anytime soon, but they might have to one day just when that day comes is unknown right now. I mean, it's it's being legalized at the state level, so it's only a matter of time before the federal level it gets involved. Continuing on, it says GM battery plant workers vote to unionize with UAW, a key win for labor as industry and indus, correction, as industry shifts to EVs. CNBC Detroit workers at a general motors joint venture battery plant in Northeast Ohio overwhelmingly voted in favor of representation with United auto workers. The union said early Friday, the vote was being closely watched as such battery plants are viewed as critical for automakers to transition from traditional vehicles with internal combustion engines to all electric cars and trucks. Several other multi-billion dollar plants from GM and other automakers are under construction in the U S the, 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 the count was 710 votes in support of UAW, representation 16 against, and one was void. The National Labor Relations Board, which is overseeing the election, confirmed the results. Void by a national labor movement and the Biden administration's pro-union comments, labor and industry experts largely expect workers at the Warren, Ohio plant to... Uh, Correction, the plant of ultimate and Sales, LLC, to join venture between GM and LG Energy Solutions to vote in support of a UAW's representation. Quote, our entire union welcomes our latest members from Ultimum, UAW president Ray Curry said in a release. As the auto industry transitions to electric vehicles, new workers entering the auto sector at plants like Ultimum are thinking about their value and worth. This vote shows that they want to be part of maintaining the high standards and wages that UAW members have built in the auto industry. The the organizing vote comes after Ultima declined to recognize the union through the uh, expedited organizing process called car checks. Despite comments from GM CEO Mary Berry expressing support for the rights for employees to unionize. Ultima, in a statement Friday, said it it respects the decision of our Ohio workers supporting representations by the UAW. We look forward to a positive working relationship with UAW. You know, there was an article, and we were going to talk about it here in this podcast, but then we realized we had another more important article to talk about. I actually talked about there was a map that was showing all the Starbucks that were starting to unionize within, or at least we're going to vote for unionization in the United States. Unions are on the rise right now. They are in some way, shape, or form. I mean, the auto industry makes sense. I mean, you're dealing with heavy machinery, and sometimes that machinery could affect your capability of working in the future, should you not be careful. But in the retail sector, it seems like more unions are going to start popping up in the retail sector in time. It's the new transition that's happening. It also makes me wonder, too, how much longer until uh, these companies realize that maybe they don't want unions and that they want to be able to start being able to get more innovation within the industry. I mean, that's how it normally goes, right? I mean... We talked about this in a couple of podcasts, uh, at least in a podcast a couple of days ago, where we were talking about how Chipotle was using a robot arm called Chippy. I mean, in time, automation does take over. And when it does take over, it also means there potentially becomes less unions in the making. So... But right now, the trend's going to be, I mean, I want to be surprised if within the next month or two, we start reading more articles about other companies that are having union votes with the UAW trying to support, well, at least the UAWs, at least in the auto industry. But there might be more auto industry companies that are going to be having this vote soon. And like I said, I personally wouldn't be surprised too if we start seeing it from the retail side of things as well going forward. So we're going to keep an eye on for that and we'll report well, what we can. Now, the most important news that we want to be able to talk about here on this podcast, okay? From World Politics, CNBC, China, Saudi Arabia stressed importance of oil market stability as Xi visits Riyadh, okay? From CNBC, China and Saudi Arabia stressed the importance of global oil market stability and Riyadh's role in achieving this balance following a three-day Saudi visit by Chinese President Xi. The People's Republic of China welcomed the kingdom's role as a supporter of the balance and stability in the world oil market and a reliable major exporter of crude oil to China. That's a quote, by the way, said in a joint statement published by Riyadh State-owned Saudi Press Agency. China is the world's largest cruel importer, while Saudi Arabia is the greatest exporter of such resources and chairs the influential OPEC Plus producer alliance. Xi met both King Solomon and his heir, crown prince, and the Saudi prime minister, Mohammed Solomon, to Chinese official news global agencies. The talks have so far resulted in a signing of a comprehensive strategic partnership, okay? We'll get into what that is in a second. And 12 agreements and um, memoranda of understanding and topics including hydrogen, direct investment, and economic development. Now, this is where things get interesting, okay? It says here, the two countries on Friday affirmed they will continue to firmly support each other's core interests, sovereignty, and territorial integrity. Did you hear that? They're going to support each other on territorial integrity. Okay. Continuing on, it says further pledging joint cooperation to ensure the peaceful nature of Iran's nuclear program and urging Tehran's cooperation with the International Atomic Energy Agency. The Chinese head of state has extended an invitation for King Solomon to visit China at a mutual convenient time, the statement said. Xi arrived in Riyadh on December 7th for a three-day visit at a time when Beijing seeks to revitalize its economy while Saudi Arabia nurtures it Eastern relations after an energy policy conflict with the US. Washington closed a rift with Riyadh on December 6th, with the District of Columbia federal court dismissal of a lawsuit against Saudi Arabia's crown prince, accusing of the killing of a dissented US-based journalist. The decision followed a recommendation from US President Joe Biden administration that the prince should receive sovereign immunity after his appointment as Saudi Arabia Prime Minister through an exemption of Riyadh's governing code weeks prior. The Saudi U.S. energy interests continue to diverge. Washington has repeatedly urged OPEC to release further crude supplies into the market and ease the toll on consumers and contend with limited energy access in the wake of Russian-Ukraine's invasion and resulting sanctions. The OPEC Plus October decision to reduce production quotas by 2 million barrels per day starting in November, which was upheld on December 4th, led to a brief war of words between U.S. and Saudi officials. The timeline of Chinese economic rebound frames, the demand outlook, in the crude markets, which remain rattled by concerns over broader global appetite for transport fuels amid mounting inflation rates and recessionary signals. On the supply side, energy markets await further clarity on the Russian production impacted the EU ban that came in force on December 5th. Alongside its implementation was a program by the G7 largest global economics that seek to facilitate shipping and transport services for non-G7 Russian purchases transactions under price cap. Okay. We live in some interesting times and potential scary times as well, okay? We are now potentially witnessing China and Saudi Arabia becoming friends. With that one statement, which I will have to read again, okay? Where it says, They will continue to firmly support each other's core interests, sovereignty, and terito- territorial integrity, Urging, further pledging joint cooperation to ensure the peaceful nature of Iran's nuclear program and urging Tehran's cooperation with the International Atomic Energy Agency. There is a chance, and I, I mentioned this in yesterday's podcast, I believe. Yesterday, we reported that, I believe, it was Saudi Arabia was having a surplus for the first time in 10 years. And I had said in yesterday's podcast that if China were to reopen its economy, the demand for oil would increase even more because there's not enough in the market currently right now, at least to my understanding. Could be wrong, but I don't think there is. With China's economy opening up, Saudi Arabia is going to continue to make more money in the long run. Okay. This could be disastrous for people who have to go to the gas pump, potentially. Okay. And I only say potentially because maybe with China not having to get the demand of oil up just yet, we're not feeling it yet. But there's a chance we could feel it, okay? I mean, we're not feeling it right now because the winter blend is in, at least in California, and I'm sure it's that way and across the country as well in the United States. But if China's economy opens up, they're going to be wanting a lot of oil. Now, granted, China probably will end up buying a lot of their oil from Russia because they already were before the... Price cap kicked in, and I wouldn't be surprised if Saudi Arabia also sends some of their oil to China because they're buddy buddies now. It's a weird, weird world we live in. And in a way, if you think about it, if 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 you're a country right now that is an oil-producing nation, you're just going to continue making a lot of money. You will be, especially when China reopens. I mean, their their COVID policy, the restrictions are dropping. President Xi is meeting with Saudi Arabia. I can almost guarantee you there was talks of getting more oil into China just so they can reopen their economy as fast as possible. Don't also be surprised too if Wall Street gets a little excited going forward too because China's economy is opening up and things are ramping up again. And that could lead to more supply chain issues because if China revamps everything quickly and we can't get things out of the port fast enough or into ports, oh boy, there's potential backlogs in the making. I don't know. This is all speculation on my part, but the signs are there. What happens, though, will be determined by other things. But the other thing I mentioned, too, territorial, territory ambitions as well. Territorial integrity. What does that mean? Does that mean China is trying to say, hey, if we invade Taiwan, you'll back get our back, Saudi Arabia? Because I think there's already been reports recently that Russia said they would do the same with with China. Because China was paying attention with what Russia was doing with Ukraine. Oh boy, the markets are going to be in for a fun time soon. When that day comes. If that day comes too. Who knows? I might be blowing things out of proportion. But sometimes it's fun to connect the dots to see where things might go. And in time, we'll get to find out when I'm right. I mean, a broken clock is right twice a day. And at some point, things might happen. They might not. We don't know. But I do know this just from reading that quote right now. China and Saudi Arabia are becoming more friends every day. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if in the future there isn't some type of alliance formed between those two countries. And I don't know how the market's going to take it that day either. Maybe the market would get excited and be like, look, China's going to be able to get more oil, which means more stuff coming out from China. And Saudi Arabia is going to keep pushing oil into China, which means more production. I don't know. Just good observation. Maybe it's a good thing that we're going to electric in this country. But I also don't know at the same time because I don't think our grid can handle an all-electric car system. We couldn't even handle it during the summer with that heat wave when we were having rolling blackouts in California. So, I don't know. We'll see. Got to keep paying attention to the news to see what happens. That's how we'll find out. Okay. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about news that Wall Street isn't willing or just not willing to take the time to talk about. And also to my fellow podcast listeners who are my lovely followers, continue sharing with friends or family as you have helped grow this podcast as much as possible. And we keep growing. And it's an exciting times here at Stock Market Observation. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.